accounts receivable. Define receivables and, and enumerate the classes of receivables. Receivables are financial assets because they represent a contractual right to receive cash or another financial asset from another entity. For retailers or manufacturers, receivables are classified into trade receivables and non-trade receivables. Trade receivables refer to claims arising from sale of merchandise or services in the ordinary course of business operations. The usual types are accounts receivable and notes receivable. Accounts receivable are open accounts or those not supposed supported by promissory notes. Other names of accounts receivable are customer account, customers' accounts, trade debtors, and trade accounts receivable. Notes receivable are those supported by formal promises to pay in the form of notes. Non-trade receivables represent claims arising from sources other than the sale of merchandise or services in the ordinary course of business. For banks and other financial institutions, receivables result primarily from loans to customers. The loans are made to heterogeneous customers and their repayment periods are frequently longer or over several years. Explain the classification of receivables in the statement of financial position. Trade receivables which are expected to be realized in cash within the normal operating cycle or one year, whichever is longer, are classified as current assets. Non-trade receivables which are expected to be realized in cash within one year, the length of the operating cycle, notwithstanding, are classified as current assets. If collectible beyond one year, non-trade receivables are classified as non-current assets. The classifications are in accordance with PAS 1, paragraph 66, which states, An entity shall classify an asset as current when the entity expects to realize the asset or intends to sell or consume it in the entity's normal operating cycle, or when the entity expects to realize the asset within 12 months after the reporting period. Trade receivables and non-trade receivables, which are currently collectible, shall be presented as one-line item called trade and other receivables. Explain the initial measurement of receivables. PFRS 9, paragraph 5.1.1 provides that when a financial asset is recognized initially, an entity shall measure it at fair value plus transaction costs that are directly attributable to the acquisition. The fair value of a financial asset is usually the transaction price, meaning the fair value of the consideration given. For short-term receivables, the fair value is equal to the face value or original invoice amount. Cash flows relating to short-term receivables are not discounted because the effect of discounting is usually immaterial. Thus, accounts receivable shall be measured initially at face value. For long-term receivables that are interest-bearing, the fair value is equal to the face value. However, for long-term receivables that are non-interest-bearing, the fair value is equal to the 
present value of all future cash flows discounted using the prevailing market rate of interest for similar receivables. Thus, initially, long-term interest bearing notes receivable shall be measured at face value and long-term non-interest bearing notes receivable shall be measured at present value. Explain the measurement of accounts receivable. Accounts receivable shall be measured initially at face value or original invoice amount. However, subsequently the accounts receivable shall be measured at net realizable value, meaning the amount of cash expected to be collected or the estimated recoverable amount. The initial amount recognized for accounts receivable shall be reduced by adjustments which in the ordinary course of business will reduce the amount receivable from the customer. This is based on the established principle that assets shall not be carried at an amount above their recoverable amount. Accordingly, in estimating the net realizable value of trade accounts receivable, the following deductions are made. Allowance for free charge, allowance for sales return, allowance for sales discount, and allowance for doubtful accounts. What are customers' credit balances? Credit balances from customers are credit balances in accounts receivable resulting from overpayments, returns and allowances, and advance payments from customers. These balances are classified as current liabilities and shall not be offset against the debit balances in other customers' accounts. However, when the amount is not material, only the net accounts receivable may be presented in the statement of financial position. Explain the two methods of accounting for bad debts. The two methods of accounting for bad debts are the allowance method and direct write-off method. The allowance method requires recognition of bad debt laws if the accounts are doubtful for collection. The doubtful accounts are recorded by debiting doubtful accounts and crediting allowance for doubtful accounts. Generally accepted accounting principles require the use of the allowance method because it confirms or conforms with the matching principle. Moreover, accounts receivable with will, will be properly measured at net realizable value. The direct write-off method requires recognition of a bad debt loss only when the accounts are worthless or uncollectible. Worthless accounts are recorded by debiting bad debts and crediting accounts receivable. This approach is often used by small businesses because it is simple to apply. As a matter of fact, the Bureau of Internal Revenue or BIR recognizes only this method for income tax purposes. What is the treatment of recoveries of accounts previously written off? If a collection is made on an account previously written off, the customary procedure is to recharge the customer's account with the amount collected and possibly with the entire amount with the entire amount previously charged off if it is now expected that collection will be received in full. In other words, the recovery is recorded by reversing the entry of write-off by debiting accounts receivable and crediting allowance for doubtful accounts. 
the collection is then normally recorded by debiting cash and crediting accounts receivable. What are the three methods of estimating doubtful accounts? Explain briefly. Doubtful accounts are recognized when the loss is probable and the amount can be estimated reliably. This approach is parallel to, re to the recognition of a provision which is both probable and measurable in accordance with PAS 37. There are three methods of estimating doubtful accounts, namely 1. Aging method. This involves an analysis of the accounts whether they are not due or past due. Past due accounts are further classified in terms of the length of the period they are past, they are past due. The required allowance for doubtful accounts is then determined by multiplying the total of each classification by the rate of loss experienced by the company for each category. The major argument for this method is the more accurate and scientific computation of allowance for doubtful accounts and consequently the accounts receivable would be fairly presented at net irrealizable value. Thus, this method is a statement of financial position approach. 2. Percent of accounts receivable method. A certain rate is multiplied by the ending accounts receivable balance in order to get the required allowance balance. The rate used is usually determined from past experience of the entity. This procedure has also the advantage of presenting the accounts receivable at estimated net realizable value. This method is also a statement of financial position approach because it favors the statement of financial position. 3. Percent of sales method. The amount of sales for the year is multiplied by a certain rate to get the doubtful accounts expense. The rate may be applied in on credit sales or total sales. When this method is used, proper matching is achieved because doubtful accounts are directly related to sales from which they arise and are reported in the same year of sale. Thus, this method is an income statement approach because it favors the income statement. How would you classify doubtful accounts in the income statement? First, distribution cost. If the granting of credit and collection of accounts are under the charge of, of the sales manager, doubtful accounts shall be considered as distribution cost. Second, administrative expense. If the granting of credit and collection of accounts are under the charge of an officer other than sales manager, doubtful accounts shall be considered as administrative expense. In the absence of any contrary statement, doubtful accounts shall be classified as administrative expense.